squad, Jamie Rigetti here, aka the mother of direwolves. I'm here in the dungeon for this very special episode of the Scream Squad, joined of course, as always, by my awesome co-host. Chico Leo, also in the dungeon. Um, so, of course, we've been celebrating Women in Horror Month uh, in February, and uh, we are also really excited because it is Black History Month as well. Um, we did a little Blackula versus Scream, Blackula Scream on our Patreon. But of course, we had to dedicate an episode to the really great black exploitation horror films that are out there. Um, we're actually going to change it up a little bit. I know we always kind of stay on one theme, but we decided to uh, talk about three movies that kind of each hit a uh, part of horror. So we've got some vampires, some zombies, and uh, an exorcist kind of film. Um, possession. Yeah, possession film. So uh, I think we're going to kick things off with a really, really good one, a zombie movie called Sugar Hill, which is... Not to be confused with the Wesley Snipes movie from like 20 right. years later. This is a uh, exploitation horror film that might be my favorite of the bunch. I, it's, it's really well done. It's really funny. Like, oh my God, it's so good. Uh, but it's from 1974. Um and it is about a woman who is Diana Hill, but they call her Sugar Hill because that's her nickname. Um, but basically, she sees her boyfriend get murdered by these gangsters. And of course, just so happens to have um, a uh, voodoo queen for a, I believe, a grandmother. It's definitely her family lineage. And she basically kind of sells her soul and becomes this really... It's It's kind of a revenge movie, but it's also got voodoo elements she's got like a zombie army it's just good yeah so this i i agree i think this well i i'm not sure if this is my favorite of the three um because uh they're all um, really good yeah ganjin has his really good but this so all right so the, there's you know there's kind of two kinds of zombies in horror there's the zombies from like voodoo legend that um had had appeared in film before like i walk with a zombie and white zombie um, and so these aren't like the like living dead, you know, George Romero zombies that like, you know, eat brains or eat your flesh. These are more like the walking dead who are, you know, they they do the bidding of their master. And um, this was made by American International Pictures, Samuel Z. Arkoff. And that's the same company that did Blackula and Scream Blackula Scream. So this is, it's a little bit of, you know, it's pretty classy. This was the next year. Black Hill was 1972. Scream Black Hill Scream was 73. Sugar Hill is 74. And it's, you know, it's classy. It's got, it's got a good budget. It's filmed in Louisiana with some really, really, really great set pieces. It's got, you know, like a, a Motown soundtrack. Although not really Motown, what we think of. You know, this is, we're into the 70s. But, um... Yeah, she uh, she ends up teaming up with her uh, yeah, with Mama Maitress, uh, who's played by uh, Zara Cully, who was George Jefferson's mother, I believe, on the on the uh, on the <laughs> Jeffersons. But um, and yeah, so the it, it's it is a revenge movie. It's a revenge movie with zombies where these white mobsters basically want to muscle her boyfriend out of his his nightclub langston out of his nightclub and they end up killing him when he won't sell them their club and so she teams up with uh mama matress and um actually baron samdi himself who's sort of the you know voodoo lord of the dead um and uh it's got really really good sort of gory 
murder stuff. I think it's actually PG, which just goes to show you that you could do a lot more in with PG uh, way back then than, than, oh, yeah. than you can now. But um, there's some really great murders. Like, actually, the first murder, they, they're having trouble actually identifying the body. Um, and the zombies themselves are actually really cool. I'm not sure what the effect it is, if it's just that they... The zombies are um, actually former, they're the preserved bodies of slaves from Guinea. Yeah, there's just, there's so much in this movie that, like, we could do a whole podcast, let's be real. But right. I think, you know, so first off, you know, we're, we're in the South, we're in, you know, the, the I believe it's probably Louisiana or, yeah, or yeah. kind of that, that area. Um, but they pretty much talk about how um, the bodies, uh, when you find out where they're from, like, it, it's a slave burial ground and it's slaves that... Um, you know, of course, it's unmarked, and it, it kind of reminded me of, I know we spoke about this on one of our other episodes when I was in Savannah, and we went to this, like, square that's completely unmarked, that's really dark, and of course, it's the African, you know, burial ground that has no plaque or no monument or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's that element to it where, you know, there's, there's, these people are kind of also getting their own revenge in some ways, you know, they're, and they, and they have shackles on them yeah that you know i mean it's very like it's it's not lost on you that the significance of who they are um what's actually kind of cool about them though is like they have those crazy bug eyes yes that's uh, what yeah, like, they have these bug eyes and this sort of yeah. white powdery skin uh or not skin like makeup on their skin but they look mm. sort of otherworldly yeah they're really cool looking. they are really cool um, I think it might be my favorite zombie, you know, because we're so used to like walking dead, like, you know, rotting flesh falling off and, and no disrespect to that because that's like such a cool makeup achievement. But I don't know. There's just something about these guys that just looks like really interesting that it's not I, I think like the the zombie we always it's different from the zombie we always see. It's it's just more creative to me. Yeah, I and and it is it is different. I mean, the I I believe, and I might be wrong, that it really is George Romero who sort of created that, like what we think of zombies. You know, the Walking Dead zombies. You know, the George Romero zombies. Um, you know, and that there really was this. The voodoo zombie came first. Um, I know Jacques Tourneur did a did a zombie movie in the forties. I think that's I Walk with a Zombie, if I'm not mistaken. But mm. they're definitely those the, the zombies that are here in Sugar Hill definitely predate the um, the George Romero ones. Although obviously George, uh, Night of the Living Dead came out in '68. This came out in '74. But these are more those zombies the the ones from you know um you know from voodoo from haiti from you know right. the caribbean and um it's it's you know it's at first i i you know they, they play a smaller role and then they play a larger and larger role and and it's they are actually the um they're, I mean, not so much them themselves being the protagonists, but they are the the uh, the minions of the actual protagonists of the movie, you know. And we see um, Sugar, you know, Diana Hill goes through a, a bit of a transformation in the movie too. I mean, in the beginning, she's just sort of this cool chick who's got this, you know, cool hip boyfriend who runs this club, and you know, by the end, she's like a voodoo queen. Mm. 
I think what's also really interesting is the opening scene um is it looks kind of, actually you know what it reminded me of was um angel heart yes the scene where he um he's watching he's, yeah he's pretty much spying yeah um you know in a very sneaky way on this voodoo ritual um but of course you know you're seeing it through a white lens and so it feels really scary and foreign and you know like um you know just really like uh evil almost you know, there's no respect for the fact that it it is a religion. And what's so funny about this is like you um, are plunged into the the scene. The movie opens with a scene that's very similar to that, but it feels totally different from the start. It feels like like this is something that is. Well, there's, the music also plays a big role. Yes, you're, you've got this really cool music, but also like you um you're not watching behind a bush as a white man. You're kind of involved in it. You know, you're plunged in and you're part of this ritual. Um, and it's kind of just interesting to to see it in that way. Um, and then you pull up away from it and you realize that it's actually, um, I think the club that the boyfriend owns is called like Club Vo- Haiti or something or Club Voodoo. I can't remember. Um, but basically what you watched was actually a stage show. Right. And it's kind of interesting because... Um, you know, think about a movie like Angel Heart where a religion is taken, you know, to become part of a plot point uh, by by a white screenwriter, whereas these are black people that decided, well, we're going to give you guys what you want, but we're controlling the narrative, you know, because they're a white, like, club club glow, or, like, you pull away, see the, the people who are watching, they're all pretty much, like, white affluent, you know, um, and so it's kind of interesting where it's like, um, we're not going to let you exploit something that's ours, we're going to put it on for you and you're going to pay us for it. Right. Um, and I think that's, I mean, of course, that's just completely throughout black exploitation as a genre. Um, you know, it's about kind of taking the reins and taking control and not letting um, what you are and who you are be used by other people. Um, but I just love that. I love that that's the opening, you know, where well, it's kind of. And, and in that, you know, the, the white mob boss, Morgan, um, actually has a line in the movie where he's he actually says the actual line when I want something I take it you know mm-hmm. and so he goes in first of all you know Langston doesn't even want to sell the club to him to begin with but he goes in with his you know with his crew and lowballs him gives him a lowball offer and then when he doesn't sell you know later on they jump him and kill him you know with the idea knowing that you know he's going to leave it to his girlfriend and they're going to try and you know take it from her which, right. you know, does not end up happening. And she ends up, you know, with her army of zombies tracking them down one by one by one. And um, again, I'm, I am pretty sure that this is Louisiana, but it really, you know, gets into, I mean, there's, you know, some stuff with the dock workers. And then there's some really great stuff out in the, you know, sort of same, like, uh, I'm not sure what you call, you know, like, not the bayou so much, but like, you know, the... Um, you know, you know, like like in the um, True Detective, that sort of mm-hmm. out out there. You know, um, it's not Bayou country, but it's also it's not forest. It's not plant. I don't know. And and um, there's even you know a big final thing in 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 what you know could be a haunted house. But there's definitely some great set pieces where they where you know uh, Sugar uses the zombies. Sugar and her allies use the zombies to take out. Uh, Morgan's uh, henchmen one by one by one and then Morgan and then there's even a great fight you know between um, Sugar and Morgan's girlfriend 
Um, Which there's a really great line in it because, um, and this is again, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to keep harping on this, but um, I think what's so great about black exploitation is it tends to nail those those subtle things you know we we of course talked about get out already um on our patreon and we've been talking about it on twitter but um it's very similar to that where you're hitting these little things um and so there's a line where you know the white girlfriend tells sugar hill not to get uppity with her right and yes and she her line is i'm like literally looking at it uppity with you my dear talking to you means i look nowhere but down and it's just things like that where, you know, uppity being this like little trigger word, um, this subtle way of, of kind of trying to put someone in their place um, and the way it gets to be inverted. And no, 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 like she has full agency and control meeting Sugar Hill. Um, and that shit is is like going to Teflon right off of her. Like those things that, you know, that you have, have to unfortunately face every day when you go out, when you sit in that movie, you can watch someone triumph over it and how important that is. Um, when she kills one of the henchmen, she feeds him to some hungry pigs and she's like, I hope they like white trash. Like there's just so many great little lines like that where she just gets to, to, to kind of, you know, have the cool catchphrase, have the agency, be kicking ass, you know, like there certainly is this, um, assumption on the part of Morgan that as a woman, she's going to know nothing about business, which she totally gets to prove him wrong. You know, it's just so on a feminist level and on a, um, you know, just a black power level, man, it just kind of is both. And it's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Tim Kelly is actually the writer of Sugar Hill. And he's actually, I don't know. I don't think he wrote many movies, but he was like a super prolific playwright. So, um, you know, I don't know how many of those lines were, you know, were ad libbed and how much, uh, you know, how, how many were, uh, you know, put, put in there by him. But yeah, Tim, Tim Kelly is the, uh, is, is the, is the screen screenwriter. Um, well, it's interesting because I think that we kind of have a theme going in this episode. Um, we're really talking about black women. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's kind of like we're nailing women in horror month, but really also giving shine to Black History Month. But, um, you know, our second movie is Abby, um, which is also 1974. Um, but but, you know, this is our uh, well, it's a. A nod to the exorcist, we'll call it, I guess. Um, but Abby is a, you know, it is a possession movie. It is a black exploitation horror movie. Um, I did a presentation in New York last month about um, some ripoff horror movies, and I actually spoke about Abby. It is so good, though. Abby is just such a fun movie, and um, there's, it's, you know, they, the, the I think it was uh, American, who did Abby? Um, same company that did. Um, oh, it is actually AIP. Yeah. American yeah, it is. Pictures. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. so they, they got sued, of course, by Warner Brothers because there are a lot of similarities. There, all right. Abby. So there are a lot of similarities, but I have to say, I mean, it's like the Wiz and the Wizard of Oz. You know, yeah, you have absolutely. These, you have these nope, years I'm with you. when, um, you know, um, there were two, va- you know, two volcano movies or two asteroid movies. And yes, there are a lot of similarities, but there also are a lot of differences. Um, Absolutely. I, 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 I mean, yeah. So Warner Brothers, which you know put out The Exorcist, basically got Abby pulled, even though Abby in the first month it was in the theaters and made four million dollars, which sounds like nothing now. 
but literally that was on a hundred thousand dollar budget and four million dollars now would be more like 20 million dollars you know so i mean that's that's really worth highlighting because i think you're right i think we've seen a history of movies that rip each other off or you know that are the same thing but but take note with abby where you had a black exploitation movie be really really successful and that's the one where they sued and had copies of the movie destroyed. Right. You know, that's really important to note right here because, yeah, you know, I mean, l- let's ask ourselves why Warner Brothers went after this one movie. Right. I mean, and it's, it's yeah, I mean, so it's hard. You there There is a, like, old VHS version currently up on YouTube, and they did, in fact, release a version on DVD, but it's of an old, like, bad 16 millimeter print and there's a lot going for it um first of all the the character who plays the actual exorcist is the i mean the actor is william marshall who played blackula yes, yeah. and um it's sort of cool to see him on on the other side of uh you know of, of things um but it's directed by William Girdler, who actually directed Grizzly and The Manitou. And um, those those are actually pretty legit, you know, grindhouse 70s movies. And um, it, it, it has a lot. I mean, it's got a lot going for it. And it really, you know, it also, you know, The Exorcist gets all into the Catholic religion stuff. I mean, this is gets more into like Yoruban religion than Absolutely. anything I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's an all black cast. Um, Abby is possessed by Ishu, or it, it, which is you know who's an, a West African um, like sex goddess uh, or an Orisha of, of of like chaos, and th- there's just all all kinds of really sort of cool stuff that you don't see, and it's really unfortunate that it's been pulled. I think you know um, it's so funny because uh, shout out to Graveyard Ship Sisters because she tweeted I think it was like two days ago how Abby is due for a remake and it really is because I think it kind of hits all the things that you want I mean it's a great possession movie um, but that's really what it is it's centering African culture instead this isn't you know a Catholic exorcism so it's so interesting it's just you know it feels fresh I, I would watch Abby any day over The Exorcist. Maybe not The Exorcist 3, because we know that I'm crazy and I love that movie. <laughs> but um, but no, but seriously, I think it just, um, it's just, it's it's something that, that you, you don't, has not been done to death in movies. And that's, again, you know, it's because we're, we're hitting on African culture, which has been, you know, subverted and, and, you know, tried to be sanitized and removed and, and you know this movie get puts it front and center and you get to finally experience it if you're you know not obviously of that that culture the other thing is abby is a grown woman and in the exorcist yeah. reagan is a kid and so yes actually abby's mom who's you know an an, an older woman like a senior citizen is it's a Juanita character Moore. yeah yeah exactly is is a character in the movie but I feel like that alone makes such a difference. Now, there are some scenes. I mean, there's some stuff where, you know, she's talking in the possessed voice and she uses all kinds of profanity and is like, you know, the similar like, fuck you, you know, all that. But it's stuff. also hilarious. It is. Well, it's, it's hilarious in both. But I think she also throws up pea soup or something yeah. similar. <laughs> But I, you know, and there's definitely uh, levitation. I think there's like an entire sequence where like people are like holding her down while she's you know keeps like levitating. But um, 
Yeah, I, I, it really bothers me that, you know, that this, you know, now, I mean, it does happen. I mean, you know, Battlestar Galactica, I know, definitely got called out for ripping off Star Wars, which you can see all, all of the ripoffs. But and did stuff. they get sued? Right. I mean, you I, know? you know, You're, I think they got yeah. sued, but not successfully, you know. Um, right. And, and you can watch Battlestar Galactica. Right. Like, exactly. I think it's, again, it's really important to note, and you kind of touched on this. If you watch Abby today, you're essentially watching a bad copy of a copy because right. it was destroyed. And right. that's, you know, like that's, that's, it's, it's not fair. You know, it's really just not fair. And again, I need, it needs to, you know, this is of course something that our black listeners are probably going to like shake their head and be like, again, because, you know, anytime you have a black, you know, black flourishment happening, it was always stamped out. And, and this is, this is everything you got you the black wall street. This is everything. This is, yeah. this is everything you've seen, you've known. Unfortunately, this is Abby as well, but it's worth watching. And it's certainly, it is, it's out there. It exists. Um, and I'll take a copy of a copy any day over no Abby, you know? Right. I mean, it's like, and, 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 and this is like the kind of thing where like, I mean, Warner, Warner is not only, you know, sort of had the, had the film taken from the theaters, but they actually confiscated all the copies. I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's a bit much. Um, Carol Speed is the is the lead actress. I don't uh she plays Abby. I don't know what what else, you know, she's she's also done, but um she does a great job. Um and Yeah, it, she's and great. The the down moments like actually like The Exorcist or like Rosemary's Baby or like sort of other horror movies focusing on a woman in that period, you know, there are some really great down moments and when I say down moments I just mean like, you know, sort of real life, you know, people going about their business and stuff. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a real gem. I mean, I actually, I've known uh, Sugar Hill for a long time and I'd seen Ganjin Hess several times over the years, but I didn't know about Abby until I saw your, until I saw your, uh, your thing at the Alamo yeah. Draft House a, a couple, like a month ago. <laughs> so I was really glad to have, uh, and then, which led me to see the movie and it does have a huge cult following. Like when they did release the you know, low budget 16 millimeter DVD. I mean, it apparently like, you know, sold out that day on Amazon. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on it before, but I think what's also so interesting about Abby is that um, because we're talking about a grown woman, um, it's, it's different, you know, so she's possessed by a sex god, yeah. you know, so, so there's definitely the sexual element to it, which is also really fascinating because again, you know, we're talking about horror movies where women get to subvert, um what's expected of them and you know the expectations that um women can't be sexual that they can't be especially black women you know that they can't be sexual that they can't be desirable and so you see abby as someone who gets to be um you know and and she's also torn in some ways because of course you know you have that internal struggle between abby and the the you know what's possessing her kind of fighting for the spotlight um but you know like she gets to have all these men flocking around her and she likes that you know like it's because it feels good to be the center of attention and to not be um harshly judged for it you know she's not getting killed because like in a slasher you know because she has sex or anything like she gets to kind of have that agency um and fine yeah it's a possession movie but i think it's still important to see a woman get to be uh careless or not careless sorry carefree um and and sexual 
you know, to have those two things coexist um, is just, it's huge, you know, and it's, you know, we're talking about 1974 when you go to main, you know, mainstream quote unquote um, white horror uh, and slashers in particular, I can't really think of anybody until Sydney and scream who really gets to have sex and not have a con. And even she technically does have a consequence because then she finds out her boyfriend's literally a killer. Right. <laughs> so I, you know, just this idea that fine, you know, like Abby eventually of course gets, um, you know, she gets uh, exercised and she gets to kind of get her life back, but there's actually not a punishment for her for being sexual. You know, there's, she gets to just live her life again and be happy. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I mean, I think actually the most interesting of the three movies that we're talking about is actually the, uh, the one vampire movie, right? Mm. That is, that is Ganja and Hess, um, (sighs) which I, you know, it's considered, I guess, a a, a black exploitation movie, but it, it really is much more of like a, like an experimental art house um, film. It's beautiful. It's really gorgeous. And, and I have to say one of the most important things about it is that it's the only other lead film that Dwayne Jones, who was, of course, the star of Night of the Living Dead and arguably the most important, um, you know, black horror protagonist in like, you know, because he really is like the first um, uh, you know, in, in, in cinema, you know, this is his only other leading role. Um and uh, but that I guess that's that, you know, I guess the, the, both of these movies have have importance to them besides, um, you know, besides having Dwayne Jones in them. But um, he's someone who has sort of, you know, I feel like deserves to be considered to be whatever the like male lead, you know, of, of horror, like a like like a classic final girl, like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis or something mm-hmm. like that. I think just to step back for one second, what's so important about Ganja and Hess as well is, you know, black exploitation was always black cast, um, but it tended to be very white in terms of like writers and producers and often directors. Um, Ganja and Hess, Bill Gunn wrote the entire thing. He directed it. He produced it. Like this is this is black. Yes. This is like you know what I mean. Like this is. Um, there's a uh, briefly there's some white characters and like a dream sequence, but this is pretty much an entire black cast. Um, you know, this doesn't have the idea of like the man as the villain. You know, this is like it is very cer- cerebral. Like the word vampire is actually never mentioned, but right. it is. You know, um, but it is. It's so ambitious. It is a black exploitation film. In fact, like so, Bill Gunn was given the money to make a black exploitation film and this is what he made instead and so yeah we can put it in this category of black exploitation horror but it is so much more than that you know it really is as you kind of were were alluding to like it is more um and and it's it's just a testament you know we're, we're kind of recording this coming off of the huge you know win by barry jenkins and, and moonlight and it's just kind of again this testament of of like when when we let people tell their own stories the beautiful things that happen as a result, you know, the, the way cinema at, on as a whole wins. And yeah, I'm saying this about a vampire movie because Ganja and Hess is an experience. And, and not only that, I would say these three movies also particularly are specifically African. Um, they're all three like supernatural movies, but Abby is possessed by a Yoruban, a Yoruban um, Orisha. Sugar Hill is definitely steeped in, you know, um, Caribbean voodoo, you know, um, mm-hmm. 
that that definitely comes from you know the orishas and everything from you know sort of mixed with 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 everything um and uh, you know that comes from africa originally and ganjan hess is um you know uh dr hess is uh you know an anthropologist who's doing research on an ancient african like nation of blood drinkers yep so yeah. they call them blood drinkers but you know we 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 would call them vampires <laughs> But yeah, you're right. I think it tends to um, all of these movies do that, and and you know, and I think it is, you know, it certainly is. You, we see it in Blackula as well. Yes, um, he's a prince. He's the he yeah. is a, 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 an African prince who has gone to meet with Dracula to, in fact, stop the slave trade. You know, the yeah. idea being that these are not just them taking a white story and sticking a black guy in there. Absolutely, this is th- these are these are fresh stories. There, um, you know, and and I think that that kind of harkens back to what you said about Abby. This isn't just an Exorcist remake, right? Or this Black Woman. Its, I, I shouldn't. Right. Have said black guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Black it's not. It, this is this is taking uh, an idea and making it your own. Um, you know, yeah, because we can all write a vampire story. It's what do you bring to the table? And so th- this is taking vampires or taking possession, infusing it with your own culture and stories and coming out with these incredible films that um and again you know nod to blackula if you um you know sign up for our patreon you could certainly hear our podcast where we talk about blackula and the sequel um but you know these are films that are infused with african culture and african culture where it is not presented as an other or a savage or you know and forgive me for using that but just the idea of that this is African culture where it is uh, rich, where it is to be celebrated, where it is diverse, where there is, you know, this idea of having something really incredible to, to you know, a gift of your culture to give to the world. You know, um, it's and again, this, you know, I keep, I'm, I'm a broken record, but it's the importance of this genre, you know, where you get to see yourselves as the heroes. And, you know, we spoke about Blackula as not being a villain because he's not he's not a bad guy. He's not somebody who started out bad. He's somebody who, you know, he's a prince that was trying to bring about peace who got cursed. Um, and it's this really sad love story. And Ganjan Hess has this gorgeous love story in it. Yes. Um, and so that's also what's so interesting about these films where you have people who, by definition, are monsters, but they're not. Um, I think this also certainly relates to when women take over horror and, you know, we cast ourselves as the monster, quote unquote, and it is always way more complicated than that because because we're not monstrous. But, um, you know, it, it's a commentary on that idea of us as the other, as us as monsters. Um, and that's something that you see done so well in these movies um, where you're seeing vampires, but they're not just, you know, Gary Oldman running around with, you know, ridiculous long nails and whatever. Um, you know, this is, this is so much deeper than that. And so, you know, this really kicks off Ganjan Hess with this anthropologist who kind of, you know, is looking into this culture and he, um, there's like a dagger that he gets basically like infected with like his, um, his like, I guess, a helper. His assistant who's actually played by Bill Gunn, the, the director. Right was about to commit suicide and he kind of is trying to save his life and gets stabbed with this ceremonial knife. Um, and then, um, and that, you know, and then of course this, this assistant George does then commit suicide in this really ritualistic way, which is kind of like crazy, like to see it's, it's very like shocking. 
Um, but yeah, you know, he kind of gets cursed, very similar to, I would say, in, in a way, um, uh, to Blackula, where it's kind of this, um, it was, it's not something they chose. It's something that kind of right. happened to it him. It happened to him, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, so it kind of, uh, he becomes a vampire, and there's certainly this idea of him struggling with, um, his uh this newfound addiction so to speak because he has to kill and he has to drink blood and uh, you certainly see that idea of um not wanting to kill um and getting really sick and then you know um, discovering this disease he now has um but it's george's wife ganja who comes uh to kind of find out what happened i guess to her husband and then they Um, yeah they become lovers yeah and she is cool as fuck oh my god her costumes like everything about her she is like so cool um but yeah they become lovers and then of course eventually she discovers um you know what uh what's going on with him and um it's really interesting though because it's a very erotic film too um it's not like overtly no but there's that this plays into that like the the eroticism of vampire stuff that is often there that you know you know i don't know people associate sometimes with like anne rice or whatever but like this is there's a real the vamp the erotic vampire stuff is really there especially in the relationship between ganja and hess and then you know sort of in the in, at the end as well um but there's also a um, wonderful final shot in this movie well, the sex scene as well is like so artistic. Yes. It's very like uh, it's very ambiguous body parts. It's lots of sweat, um, and it's something that you see in like art house films. Yeah. Like, oh no, this is an art house movie. This does yeah. differ a little bit. Like there are commonalities that Abby and Sugar Hill have that just are not shared. Like Anjan Hess, you can you you can tell that uh, you know Julie Dash. Had seen Ganja and Hess when Absolutely. she made Daughters of the Dust. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I yeah. mean, we're talking like that. I mean, yeah. it's a this is an art house movie. Um, yeah. And actually, so Spike Lee remade it in 2014 as The Sweet Blood of Jesus, which I actually think is a gorgeous movie. I don't know, you know, I really it's one of the the, the most attractive of like the digital digital film like you can tell it's digital but it just looks so good but it's totally lacking in 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 heart like it's like it's like a um it's like a beautiful robot you know the movie i'm saying um so spike lee did remake it um and it is a gorgeous remake but it lacks the passion the heart the soul all those things that ganjan hess definitely has although shout out to the cinematography and production design in the spike lee one and Rami Malek. Oh, and Rami Malek. Yeah, although he has a very small role. I know. Uh, um, what's interesting about Ganjin Hess, though, is that it did receive a standing ovation at Cannes. Yes. Um, and it was the only American film that was entered into Cannes that year. Um, and so, you know, just just think about that. This is a black exploitation film that received a standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival. This is the level we're talking about. Um, and as a result, you know, Bill Gunn pretty much got like shunned and, and no producers wanted to work with him. Um, and I think, again, you know, that ties into Abby, this idea of success kind of becoming um uh inexcusable you know you can't make a ganja and hess we wanted you to make a shitty black exploitation right quote unquote you know um but i mean this is such an important film and and you know i'm constantly seeing it um being screened at like art houses and, and it makes me happy you know it makes me happy that 
that people love this movie, that it's constantly being talked about, that it's cherished, that it's considered a masterpiece, that we even get to talk about it and hopefully, you know, have you guys go out and turn and, and view it and tell other people about it. Um, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about cinema is just that these wonderful treasures get to live on and and be rediscovered and be passed on. And, you know, Ganja and Hess is one of them. It's one of those movies that we all should be talking about. Yeah, a little uh, like Ganja and Hess trivia. So, of course, you know, the the female lead is is Ganja and, um, you know, her name is Ganja. And the movie was actually released on April 20th, which, of course, is 420 <laughs> uh, in 1973. Um, another similarity, I think, between Blackula and Ganja and Hess is that, um, you know, people are not like sort of into the, like you were saying, into their vampirism. And actually, um, you know, uh, Hess, uh, you know, a spoiler, you know, he 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 does himself in the same way sort of Dracula, I mean, Blackula mm-hmm. does at the end of Blackula, though Blackula does it because he's lost his love, um, you know, for a second time, you know, hundreds of years later. But um, there's something really powerful because Ganja continues being a vampire and although she mourns him and stuff, the... Uh, the end is uh, this, um, you know, this young man that she's killed coming, rising naked out of the mm. water and running towards her. And it's just such a striking, oh, gorgeous such image. Such a great shot. Yeah, yeah, that, you know. But it also um, is so powerful, too, because she gets to have that agency. Yes. You know, like, she gets to be the one that lives on and chooses to live on. You know, like, that's huge, man. You're seeing a black woman at the end of a movie that started out centering a black man being the triumphant one. You know, right. like, that... You know, again, you know, seeing yourself on screen as the hero, as as the, you know, the the one who survives it all. That's so important. You know, it really is. And it's just like it's it's dope, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is I mean, I, I, I feel like, you know, if you haven't seen, you know, I don't know. Some of these are harder to see than the others. But if you haven't seen Ganjin has definitely run out and see it. These are all really worthwhile. But um, I, I, I do agree, you know, agency. And it's not just, you know, with, um, you know, what just, you know, with the Oscars, with, with Moonlight's, um, you know, sort of, you know, winning all of these awards. But also this conversation has been going on with Get Out. I mean, we, we talked about it. Again, you can go check it out on the Patreon Um but uh, you you don't really get to see um, you know the horror from this perspective, especially you know I mean in, in I mean what it's about and Get Out of course includes all the ridiculous microaggressions and and stuff like that. But you know um, you know the bad guys in uh, Sugar Hill are white, but Abby and Ganja and Hess are primarily you know black movies with about black people. You know what I mean? Dealing mm-hmm. with you know dealing with you know, problems. Um, and there isn't a lot of sort of intrusion of, you know, whiteness or white, um, you know, white characters or, or, or white issues, you know? And, and for what it's worth, at least in Sugar Hill, um, whiteness is used to kind of expose that, that, uh, prejudice that, that, um, you know, the, just the everyday kind of aggressions, you know, like it's present, but it's present for a reason, at least it's present, not because it's required or because it has to be. Um, it's, it's there for a very specific reason. Um, so, so it's not to Sugar Hill's detriment that there's white people in that cast. 
uh, I think it it's it's important for for that storyline in particular um, for it to be there. Yeah, and that makes it the most. I think I I would argue also makes it the most traditional of these of these like the most traditional black exploitation movie because in most of them you know the, it, it is a uh you know mm-hmm. that's very true yeah know. it felt it felt a little like it could be coffee you know yeah. it was yeah absolutely but it's still super satisfying and um and you know it, it certainly like uh nods to um again you know we touched on this in the beginning but you know the idea that the the zombies are actually slaves you know, that were kind of discarded. I mean, there's important stuff in there as well that that kind of helps it be a little bit more. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, they've got they've got Baron Samdi in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So before we uh, before we wrap this up, we do have uh, we have our February giveaway to give away. And it's a short month. Yes, it is. It is a short month. Um, but um yeah, so in honor, uh, speaking of zombies, of the return of The Walking Dead uh, on AMC, we have a um, soap on a rope Walking Dead necklace of ears that was worn <laughs> by Daryl, I believe, in the second season, um, and a pair of um, Walking Dead socks uh, cool. for for some lucky uh, patrons. So um, let me get the uh, let me get hold on, got the got the hat here and. Um, so if you've if you've won recently, your name will not be in here. But luckily, we've uh, added a few names, uh, you know, as as people join. And uh, so yeah, for five dollars a month, you get uh, we're 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 uh, you know we do a cool giveaway every month, and there's uh, all kinds of um, you know articles by Jamie and mini podcasts with me and Jamie, and uh, a couple mini podcasts of me solo and. Uh, a couple of the Los Leos with uh, me and uh, Leo Fairman from Black Comics Chat. So there's there's a lot of stuff that uh, you know, big bang for your buck. Um, so if you can you know help us support us, uh, and um, if we can get to a certain number, we will uh, we will definitely move uh, Scream Squad to a weekly a weekly podcast. But um, you know we can't do it without you. So tell your friends. But um, anyway, let me. Uh, okay, hold on. What do we got here? Um, Okay, we got up uh, Janisha Francis. Woo! Come on down. <laughs> um, so yeah, you 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 are now the the proud owner of uh, some some Daryl ears soap on a rope and some <laughs> Walking Dead uh, Walking Dead pair of Walking Dead socks. Awesome. So um, yeah, uh, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up in March and beyond. And um, yeah, keep screaming.